Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am your host, Jordan. I am mum to two beautiful little boys, Jai and Ali. I also host the Your Birth Project online hypnobirthing course and the Mini Kiwis First Aid course for parents of under five-year-olds. And I have an online store attached to Your Birth Project, which encompasses everything pregnancy, birth and postpartum related. So just absolutely love that side of the business. I'm also a very, very passionate storyteller and a lover of all things birth. So hence why I am leading you on this podcast. I'm not an advocate for any particular type of birth or model of birth care. I am simply here to hold space for this platform for you to share your beautiful stories with us all. You'll hear stories of joy, of heartbreak, of love, of loss, and each family has a different experience to share. I'm trying to bring to light stories that we often only tell in the darkest of places or to our closest of friends, but really are so important for everybody to hear. So I hope that you love the podcast of these beautiful families all over Aotearoa and I will let you jump into the podcast now. Enjoy. This week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is brought to you by Your Birth Project and Your Birth Project is my online hypnobirthing course designed to help you create your best birth. There is sections in there that covers everything from comfort methods to the labor and birth process to birth partners and how they can support you. There's a specific video for them. It has absolutely everything you need to create your best birth. Doesn't matter if you want to have a home birth, a hospital birth, an elective cesarean, you want to have drugs, no drugs, you want to have your mum there, not your mum there. It doesn't matter what kind of birth you want to have. Your Birth Project is the inclusive hypnobirthing course that you need to create your best birth. So make sure you go and check it out at Your Birth Project on Instagram or www.yourbirthproject.com. In today's episode, I am speaking with Claude and the beautiful Claude takes us through her pregnancy and birth story with daughter Elodie and she talks us through a PCOS diagnosis in 2020 which led her down a bit of a path of nutrition and lifestyle and sort of supporting her body in the best way that she can and then she talks us through actually falling pregnant and having a missed miscarriage which is how they explained it um, at the time what that experience was like using letrozole for a couple of rounds to then fall pregnant with Elodie and into her pregnancy journey with Elodie so we talk through all different types of things in pregnancy. Uh, she had a planned home birth as a first-time mum, so we talk through how she made that decision, what her home birth was like. She ended up pushing for two and a half hours, which is a pretty lengthy time uh, to be pushing. So we talk through that and an eventual episiotomy to help little Elodie into the world. So I know you're going to love this episode. Claude does such a good job of explaining everything, so I'm super grateful that she was willing to join me, and I can't wait to hear feedback. So make sure you flick me a message on KiwiBirthTales or KiwiBirthTales at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. 
Another reminder, this episode is sponsored by Your Birth Project. Go and check it out if you're pregnant. It is everything you need to create your best birth. Let's jump into the episode. Hey, Claude, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. (laughs) No worries. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Yep. So, yeah, my name's Claudia. Claude is what I tend to go by. Um, I've got my partner, Quinn. We are down in the Hawke's Bay. Um, I'm from Auckland, but I moved down here a couple of years ago after doing long distance with Quinn. And we have our two border collies, Jackson and Lila. And recently we've just added little Elodie, who's almost eight weeks old. So yeah, our baby girl's just joined the family. Oh my gosh, eight weeks has gone so fast. I remember when I saw you post that she had arrived and it feels like it was only like a week ago. It's crazy. I know, like each week that goes by, I'm like, what the hell? How have we got to this point? But then also the birth as well feels like it was ages ago. Yeah. Both times, it's just crazy. (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's crazy. Awesome. And do you want to talk us through what the journey to pregnancy was like for you and Quinn? Yeah, sure. So our journey started back in early 2021 when I just moved down here. Um, I can backtrack a little bit, but in 2020, I was diagnosed with um, polycystic ovary syndrome. So that was early mm-hmm. 2020. Um, I had been going on my own little personal journey of trying to figure out what PCOS was and how I could kind of help myself. And I always knew that my end goal was I wanted to be fit for um, pregnancy. Like that was always yeah. really what I wanted to do. So, And I'd been to a GP and I left pretty disappointed and then anything you search for online is pretty overwhelming and I ended up reaching out to a lady who's a nutritionist in Christchurch and her name's Sarah at Your Monthly Um, and she was just amazing she specialized in hormonal health and we started a journey of um, trying to help myself through my diet and supplements and just general life changes and that was all going really really well um However, though, in that time was when I met Quinn and going into a new relationship and I wasn't on any contraception. It was kind of a bit of like, oh, no, like this is dangerous territory. So I went and got the marina um, and then I didn't mind the marina. I mean, it was fit for purpose, but it did. it, It completely stopped my periods while I was on it and while I was working with this nutritionist, it was kind of about counterproductive to be doing all this mm. work and not being able to actually like see the results, like not being able to see if it was helping regulate mm. and normalize my periods. So stayed on the marina and Quinn was we were, Quinn was really supportive and um, really great with all of it. But when we made the call to move down, well, I made a move down to Hawke's Bay, which was in January 21. We did talk about, like, um, oh, I kind of said to him, how would you feel if I wasn't on contraception? And we just um, be really careful, use all, all the other things that, you know. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just said, like, would you be okay if I wasn't on contraception? How would we go about that? And he was fully supportive, but he's um, very into his health, and so he completely understood, like, mm. why it was important to me and, yeah, just wanted to do what he could and then it kind of just became this like obviously not being on contraception and it was just kind of in the back of your mind always like oh shit like am I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) you're fine Um, 
<laughs> um, it was kind of always in the back of your mind, like, oh, hey, don't want to get pregnant. Like, don't get mm. pregnant, don't get pregnant. And we'd always make, not like, just make comments about it. And then it was after a few months of that, we just kind of started thinking, like, well, actually, maybe we do want this. Like, um, we hadn't been together, like, very long, but we did, we really knew that we wanted to be together. And we knew that we, we were in a position where we could start a family. Um, and so, yeah, it just became this idea, like, let's maybe actually look into this. And so then we became, like, we started actively trying and tracking it and, doing all that and nothing really happened and I was speaking to my nutritionist and she said to me well um, you could keep going down this natural approach like how we're doing it but if you do almost want to speed things up a little bit you could go to a gynecologist and they might be able to help you out so we had this appointment booked with the gynecologist for I mean it was at April end of April in 21 and I felt a little bit funny going before like leading into that appointment and um, mm. I felt a bit nauseous and just a bit off and like my period hadn't come in a while but that wasn't really a surprise it was, I was quite used to that and we were in this appointment and talking about the um, medication that I could be put on which was letrozole and he said at the end of it like yes I think we can get you on this medication just based on the fact I had been off contraception for a while nothing had happened I had had blood bleeding up to that to kind of see what was happening with my hormones and it still suggested there wasn't any ovulation and then the final stage of it he's like well let's just give you an ultrasound and we'll just check how everything's going down there and like what the situation is and he was going along and did all that to the internal ultrasound and then there was this this black I now know it was like a black fat that was on the screen and I didn't really think anything of it but Quinn apparently like instantly was like what and the gynecologist looked at us and just said like I think this is what you want to see and we're like what and then he's like oh you're pregnant and so <laughs> found out then that we had we were pregnant but <laughs> he did sound a little bit unsure at the time and he started measuring things and he was just a bit silent and Quinn and I like weren't even looking at each other we were just looking at the screen like what is happening mm. and I kind of felt in the back of my head like something's not right like this doesn't feel like just almost felt too good to be true mm. and then he said well like judging off the size of it the sack he said you this looks like you'd be about seven to nine weeks along and I can't find a heartbeat yeah. so then it was very quickly like okay <laughs> but I didn't really know what to I wasn't really sure what I was looking at so it was a bit all a bit confusing um long story short he sent us for lots of bloods after that and more ultrasounds and it wasn't until about three or four weeks later that they finally felt like they could tell us like okay yes you um I had a was it kept my missed miscarriage mm-hmm. and so yeah, it wasn't until then, like, it honestly took so long to, for them yeah. to tell us that that was the case, and there were so many ultrasounds and so many blood tests and so many tears, like, I just felt mm. like, I mean, I know we never really saw the baby, and we never, we really only thought I was pregnant for, like, half an hour before finding out it was a potential mm. miscarriage, but it just felt, oh, it was just a whirlwind, and felt, it was really, really yeah. upsetting, and then... So we had all that. I had the medication to um, bring on the miscarriage. 
And then the gynecologist said, well, this does mean like you can get pregnant. Um, so why don't you just keep going with what you're doing? Give yourself a few months. We'll test each month to see how your ovulation is going. And if things just aren't going right again, like we can look at the medication, we can look at putting mm-hmm. on letrozole again. So I was like, okay. Um, that was in May when we finally miscarried that first pregnancy. And then after three months, again, there was just no ovulation. We kept doing the, um, the like 21-day progesterone blood test and nothing was happening. And so we just said, like, can we please have the medication? And he was happy to give it to us. So that was in August we started taking it. And then on our third round in October, we managed to conceive Aladie. Which is really, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And did you find out that you were pregnant because you were like tracking or you had to test on certain days taking the letrozole or what happened there? So I was tracking everything like mad. I had that Mm. app um, flow where I was tracking every little symptom that I had. Um, I was also doing the, um, what are they called, the clear blue ovulation test. I had the mm-hmm. digital one, which I really, I liked doing that because, <laughs> I don't know, it was mm-hmm. kind of exciting as well. You see the little smiling face when um, you were ovulating. And so it was, yeah, the first two rounds, I was doing those ovulation tests and it kept coming up like I was ovulating on day 17 pretty much both times. Then I would do a day 21 blood test and that's confirmed that I had ovulated. Then it would be like this excited and wait to see, oh, had I got pregnant? And um, those first two rounds, mm. I had not. The third round, funnily enough, I think I lost, I'd lost like a little bit of hope. I just decided like, let's not get too caught up on this. Um, and I had done the ovulation test, but maybe I didn't do them right that month or something, but it never mm. pulled up saying that I'd ovulated. And so I just felt deflated. I was like, oh, this is horrible. Like the letrozole medication did have um, quite minor side effects, but you got quite bad, like headaches and body aches um, doing it. And it seems to get hard. Like it took more of a toll on your body with each cycle you took it. And I knew after my third round, I was like, oh, I do not want to, I just don't want to keep doing this. Like I knew that after my third round, they would be upping my dosage. Mm. So I thought I'd, I just felt really deflated um, and so I hadn't really thought much of it when uh, it had been probably about four weeks since the start of my cycle and Quinn was out jet boating and um, one of his many <laughs> hobbies and I was just sitting there in the weekend and I thought like oh I actually feel a little bit nauseous and I was like this is a bit strange and and then I kind of looked at my app and I was like oh yeah like I would probably be having my period about now and so I was like, oh, I'll just go upstairs. And like, I think I had one pregnancy test left. There so many that I had originally stocked up on. And then I just went and did that and paid on it. And straight away, these lines came up and I was just shocked. I remember I like part of me wanted to cry and then the other part, like no emotion could come out at all. I was just completely mm-hmm. shocked by it all. And I thought, like, oh, I, mean, I wanted to call somebody. I really wanted to tell someone. Quinn was like, Quinn being up the river, there was no service there. So I was like, well, I can't mm. call him. Um, and then uh, I think the first person I called was just like the one midwife. The midwife who had helped us through the miscarriage. Um, 
I called her straight away and was just like, I, just because I needed to tell somebody. And so then <laughs> from that on, I was like, okay, well, I think she's my midwife now. So, <laughs> yeah. So there wasn't too much. Yeah. It was really just the missed period and um, the nauseousness. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. How exciting. And how did you tell Quinn? Did you tell him as soon as he got home or what happened there? Yeah, I had all these plans. I was like, I always thought that I would just be the type to set up the camera and like do this cool reveal to him. And I really wanted to go get more pregnancy tests because I wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to keep being on them to make sure like this is for real. Because I only had the one and I was like, well, this could, maybe something's gone wrong here and it's giving me a false positive. So I wanted to go get all these other tests, but then I just didn't. I think I was just in shock. And then Quinn came home and I was probably acting a little bit funny and I had set up my camera, but then I got a bit awkward and I was like, no, he's going to see it. It's like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And then I was like, I don't even have a cool plan of how I'm going to tell him. So it's not even going to look good anyway. And then I think he was in the kitchen just making a sandwich. And I literally just went up behind him and like tapped him on the shoulder. And then he didn't even turn around. So it's like tap him a few more times. And then <laughs> finally turned around and I was just holding this positive test. And he looked at it really confused and he thought it was another ovulation test. Uh, so he just, he just looks and he goes oh are you ovulating again and I was like no it's a pregnancy test and he was just equally as shocked and he just picked me <laughs> up and we had a little moment and yeah so it wasn't really the big romantic exciting reveal <laughs> that I'd hoped for but I mean it's yeah. the job <laughs> yeah yeah no it's funny how often I think that happens because it's just such a like holy shit <laughs> um, yeah moment yeah yeah amazing and how were you feeling in that first trimester did you get like many pregnancy symptoms in those first um yeah first few weeks or what happened there yeah so I did feel I remember between I took the pregnancy test on when I was it would have been four weeks and two days and I remember I was feeling nauseous up until around six weeks so four to yeah. six weeks was definitely really nauseous. I had all these food aversions. I didn't want to eat anything that I had made myself. So I was constantly like buying food. Yeah. And then I think we had our first midwife appointment at like the seven week mark. And by that point, I I honestly just felt normal. And I should say as well, this whole time I'm every day I'm like Googling everything, like any little thing that I felt, if I didn't feel mm. anything at all, I was yeah. kind of like, oh, I definitely had the... um of miscarrying again yeah so that was always kind of forefront of my mind and when we had when my symptoms stopped at that six week mark I was kind of like this isn't right and I was googling mm. that being like six weeks um, pregnancy symptoms stopped like what's wrong blah, blah, blah. and you read every single positive yeah. and negative stories and um when we got oh I'm sorry if you can hear Elodie crying in the background my mum's no, no. her <laughs> um <laughs> And then at our seven week um, midwife appointment, we had enough, like we had the scan and there was a little heartbeat. So that was amazing to see. That was like the first step that I really just wanted to get past. Mm. But we then met with the midwife after that and she told me, um, like my, the heart rate was a little bit lower than what they had expected. And then I just, I, she's like, yeah, she went through that and I uh, I had asked a few questions and my last question was, oh, like I'm, I had a lot of symptoms between four to six weeks and they've kind of stopped now. Like, is that normal? And then she just, her face just completely dropped <laughs> and mm. she looked at me. 
I should also add in that this midwife is really hard. Like she's a very straight woman. I already knew this <laughs> about her. Like she's, there's no fluffiness to her. <laughs> yeah. And she looked at me and her face just dropped and she's like, oh, no, that, no, that's not good. And so I was like, oh. And I remember both of our hearts just like sunk hearing mm. that. And she then started going, okay, well, we're going to you go get these blood tests now and we're going to do more blood tests in a couple of days. And then our whole conversation just ended on what we would need to do to prepare for a miscarriage if that was to happen. Yeah. So that was really upsetting. We left that appointment yeah. like with the photos of this little little fetus with a little heartbeat. And, and then um, we both were like, well, we wanted to tell family, but because we just had that conversation, it was kind of like, well, let's not tell them yet because we don't know what's going to happen. Mm. And I took, I did those blood tests um, in the afternoon and fortunately she called me back a few hours later and she said, um, no, your blood's actually look fine. Like, don't be concerned about this. And so, yeah, we went and told everybody after that. Um, <laughs> after that, though, the, my symptoms kind of just come, they just came and went like that where sometimes I'd feel nauseous, sometimes I wouldn't. Um, there wasn't really too much else going on. It was just that, which again was a blessing that I felt quite mm. all right that first trimester. But then there's also like you'd wake up and be like, oh, I don't, I don't feel anything at all. Like, is this still viable? And yeah, so it really just plays on your mind. It was almost would have yeah. been nice to have just felt sick every day <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's probably so many people that can relate to you saying that who've experienced a pregnancy loss or are just generally anxious about um about pregnancy loss and sort of worrying if you're not feeling the typical pregnancy symptoms that you hear of in that first trimester I think yeah there'll be so many people yeah. that can relate to that yeah definitely and I know like everyone I know when I went through the first miscarriage you realize like a lot of people don't talk about it yeah. and so you try to bring a little bit of um life to miscarriage and a little bit of awareness to it mm. but then I also think, and I've talked to a few people about this, that sometimes that can make people feel more worried. It's like when you yeah. talk about miscarriage and you talk about how common it actually is, that makes people more worried knowing that it actually is a really common thing. I like mm. a little bit, a little bit of both things, but yeah, 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 for sure. And so what happened from there? Did you do all of the sort of standard testing that's offered to you in pregnancy and did you want to find out the sex of your baby? Yeah, talk us through that. Yeah, we did. We definitely wanted to find out the gender. We um, did the NIPS test at 10 weeks. So <laughs> yep. we find out the gender that way. And we did a reveal, I think, when I was about 14 weeks along. Um, and, yeah, we did all the other tests that were offered to us, um, just like the um, ultrasounds that you get and scans yeah. and then we did the gestational diabetes one as well yeah awesome cool and did you do a gender reveal or did you just do something with you and Quinn no we did a gender reveal I had this plan I don't know if you know there's an influence over in Australia called Sarah's Day in her first pregnancy she did this reveal where there was about like 20 balloons Oh, and, yes, I have seen that. I remember watching that YouTube video. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like, because say she had a boy, and so there was three blue balloons and two pink, and then the rest of them were blank. Yeah. And I wanted to do that, and so I, um, Quinn's brother's partner, Ellie, so my semi-sister-in-law, 
she was the one who we passed on the gender to, the little envelope. And so she set it up for us. And I think we had about 30 balloons to make sure everyone got a chance to pop a balloon. And mm. in the end, there was four pink and three blue. But all of the blank balloons had confetti in them as well. Like they, oh. had, gold, they had gold confetti or something. And yeah. then the pink and blue confetti and the other ones. And as more balloons got popped, it started actually getting really confusing. And the gold <laughs> and the blank balloons started reflecting other colours. Oh, like, no. Was, so it would just became a bit of a mess. Like, you'd pop a balloon and then everyone would just be staring <laughs> at it going, what colour was that? Like, yeah. And so we got to a point where we thought there was four blue. And because there was one balloon that was just very confusing and everyone thought it was a blue and it wasn't. And... So we started hugging and we we're like, yeah, it's a boy, it's a boy. And then you look over at Ellie and she's just like shaking her head and going, no, 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 like keep going, keep going. <laughs> and oh, so no. then it was like, what? And I just grabbed the pin and just started going like crazy on all the balloons and popped all of the remaining ones. And then we saw that it was a girl. And yeah, it was very exciting. We would, yeah. I, I, when we did the gender reveal, I, it was more of a confirming to me that we were having a boy. I was dead set thinking we were having a boy. A girl was a yeah. huge shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing. Cool. And ju- I guess just jumping back really quickly, I know when you said yeah. um, that you got the bloods and then you told like your family and stuff that you were pregnant, when did you announce your pregnancy like to friends and did you announce it on social social media? And yeah, how did you approach that? Yeah. Um, we told our like parents and grandparents and my brothers and sisters, we told them it it's pretty much at that seven week mark after we yeah. had the first what well, after we'd seen the heartbeat and the yeah. blood confirmed that things were still kind of ticking along. And then we did an announcement on social media. I think it must have been around like just over twelve weeks at what mm-hmm. the point that we thought was like that semi like safe mark. Oh, very cool. And did you do like any antenatal classes or birth education or yeah, what were you doing in terms of learning about labor and birth? So we did the antenatal classes um, uh, down here. I was always kind of a little background thing. Making friends when you're an adult is really hard. And so <laughs> yeah, moving is. down to, yeah. And so moving down to Hawke's Bay, I always thought that making friends was going to be like a really easy thing. And it was not. And so I was kind of really hoping, I'm like, oh, I hope I can make some friends like at this antenatal classes and like people who are on similar journeys to you. And so, yeah, we did, definitely did the antenatal classes and they were awesome. Yeah. Um, but I kind of did my own research throughout the entire pregnancy. And um, I'm quite a person, like when I get my mind set on something, I like to know everything I can about it. So mm. I was doing a lot. I um Read, read the book of oh, Ina Mae Gaskins. I can't remember yeah. what it's called. But her, yeah, her childbirth um, book. Guide to Childbirth. Yep. Yes, that's the one. And then I listened to all of your podcasts. I'd actually listened to, <laughs> I've been listening to you since before I even wanted to be pregnant. Just yeah. always kind of being fascinated with everything birth. Yeah, and I think I honestly went through all of your ones. So then I moved on to the Australian side and I <laughs> listened to Australian birth stories and their um, podcast, Positive Birth Australia. Yep. So I listened to all of those um, and then just kind of ongoing research that a lot, 
of um, meditations and oh, I suppose that's actually another thing. But yeah, I yeah was doing a lot of research. The other ones were on YouTube with like Built to Birth. Yeah. I can't remember. Bridget Tyler. Yeah, she was amazing too. Um, I did your hypnobirthing course, which was amazing. That was huge when it came to um, my actual labor. Yeah. And yeah, so when we got to the antenatal classes, I honestly felt like I kind of knew lots of it myself, which was nice. <laughs> I think yeah, knowledge amazing. is power and I, I definitely wanted to have power in my birth and I definitely knew I, knew I needed to know a lot of things to before mm. going into it to prepare myself. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so nice as well if you can like use those antenatal classes as a build on things that you've already learned. Um, yeah. That's what I love when I, yeah, I get messages from people about your birth project and they're like, oh, I did the course and then I went to my antenatal and I felt like I could already identify a lot of what they were talking about. So, yeah, I think that's definitely yeah. relatable for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, it could be such a shock. Like, it is, and yeah. I know it's quite a common thing where people just like want to go just go with the flow with their birth and mm. that's totally fine but um it does amaze me like how many people really didn't know much mm. about birth you can go with the flow and still yeah still be like you know have a really good understanding of the labor and birth process though right yeah I think, um, yeah for yeah. sure I agree with that otherwise yeah. it would come as a very big shock <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> awesome and did all of this sort of birth education and like learning that you were doing give you an idea around what you wanted your birth to be like did you have a plan where did you want to give birth what did that look like for you yeah so the more I the further along I got into my birth um so when I well backtrack when I had called my midwife um at the very beginning and got her on board as being my midwife for my pregnancy I hadn't actually done any research prior to that. I hadn't looked at any yeah. other midwives and what I wanted because I didn't, I wanted that I hadn't started looking into birth in that detail yet. I didn't know what I wanted out of my birth. I didn't know what to look for in a midwife. And I knew that this midwife was really onto it. When I'd gone through the miscarriage, she made things happen really quickly and was really reliable. Yeah. So when I went with her, she was great for the first part of the pregnancy. And the more I started researching into um, pregnancy and birth and what I wanted out of it I started realizing like I want to do a natural physiological birth and I did know that my my current midwife was very um, she specialized in high-risk pregnancies and was very medical <laughs> and I had heard stories that she was one to um, intervene like quite often in a labor if something wasn't quite going the way that it should mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I um when they announced that you could have more than one person in a hospital birth um in Hawke's Bay at the hospital here I started thinking okay well like if now I can have an extra person who would I have and through listening to all my podcasts mostly the Australian and some like American ones I had learned about um the role of a doula so a like birth support person mm. which, and then I thought that was something amazing like I thought that was amazing and that's definitely a role I would a person I would love to have at my birth so I started researching into if there were any doulas in Hawke's Bay and I found this one lady Jess who was um lucky for me offering her she was offering a free 
service as a birth doula just because she was in her final qualifications of becoming one. She was already yeah. a um, she was already a postpartum doula and she's a, one of the childbirth educators running antenatal classes down in Hawke's Bay. And yeah, she was running, she needed three mums um, to be at their births and work with them leading up to the birth to get her qualifications. And so I met with her and we were talking about that and I started saying to her, like, I really want to have this natural birth, but I'm concerned about this particular midwife. I also know that um, this midwife, she doesn't do home births. Hmm. I don't know her reasoning for it, but she just, it was just not a thing that she would offer. And I thought to myself, well, I don't, I would, I started learning, I would really like to look into a home birth, but I was like, well, my midwife doesn't do that. So I won't do that. And I don't, yeah, I'll just leave it there. And it was talking to the doula. She was kind of like, well, no, you need to remember, like, this is your birth. Hmm. Like, if any, like, you don't need to change your birth to fit what she does. And she told me that it is actually a common thing in first-time mum to change your midwife, which had not occurred to me at all. It just kind of, it almost wasn't in my nature to do that. Mm. I felt quite bad if I had had yes. this midwife. For, at this point, I was 19, 20 weeks pregnant. Oh, no, sorry. I was almost 30 weeks pregnant. Yeah, I was almost 30 okay. weeks pregnant. And um, I just thought, I can't really do that. Like, I felt, I just didn't feel great about it. But she, she said, well, just talk about it. Just think about it maybe start researching some other midwives and just see if any of these um, suit like what you want out of your birth, yeah. if there's anyone you gel with, um, and just have a think about it. So I went away, started looking at more into midwives. and start, yeah, The more I did that, I was like, okay, no, this actually is something I need to do. So I called my first midwife and I just said, I'm actually looking at having a home birth, um, I'm aware this isn't something that you offer. And she was straight away like, no, like that's totally fine. You, We can get you another midwife, like absolutely. And so then mm -hmm. I instantly felt better. And she actually recommended another lady who does specialise in home births. Um, and I ended up looking into her and that was who I got. So from that point, it was all kind of set. I just had to do some last little, let's convince Quinn a little bit on the home birth idea. He wasn't 100% keen on it at mm -hmm. first, but he came around yeah. to it. And, yeah, then it started from that 30-week mark. It was kind of like I had done very general research about labour and whatnot and what to expect up until that mark. And then from, yeah, that 30 weeks onwards, my research became very heavily around home birth and preparing mm -hmm. myself for that. Amazing. Very cool. And were you doing anything in preparation for like birth or the sort of postpartum period, like antenatal expressing or raspberry leaf tea, perennial massage, any of those types of things? All of the above. I tried <laughs> yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I had the raspberry leaf tea that I had from your store, which was amazing. Became very just had that constantly going. Yeah. Um, we did the antenatal expressing, which was a really exciting thing for me. I um had I had breast implants. How long ago? What are we in now? About a long time ago. When I was nineteen, yeah. I had breast implants. <laughs> yeah. And so it was always a bit of a we just didn't think I would be able to breastfeed. Mm. And so when I was able to just even get like 
colostrum and do all that that was just really exciting and a really good sign that maybe I would be yeah. able to um what else did I do yes we did the perennial massage that was a good time no not really but <laughs> Quinn yeah yeah I made Quinn do that and he wasn't really too keen I've got some hilarious photos of his facial <laughs> while that was happening but he did it I was like no because he just couldn't understand it he's like why would I want to like why would I want to stretch out down there? Like, da, 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 da. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm like, it's a muscle. Like, if yeah. you're going to play a rugby game or whatever, you stretch beforehand so that you don't hurt your muscles. I was like, this is the same <laughs> thing. I was like, I just need to like stretch it down there so that it's like in pristine condition for it. He's like, okay. yeah. So yeah, he got on board and we did that. And um, yeah, we did. I did so many different things. Did all the dates. Yeah. Did lots of things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, amazing. Cool. And did your labour end up starting spontaneously? Do you want to talk us through what happened there, how far along you were, and then into your birth story? Yeah, amazing. So it was my due date was the 13th of August, and I believe the 12th of August was a full moon. And I'm not really, I'm into a lot of things, but like the moon isn't really something I'm like so into. <laughs> but I, I loved the idea of giving birth on a full moon. And that was something I'd kind of started thinking about a few months beforehand. And I was like, no, I'm going to like really try and manifest this. Like I really, really want this. To me, it just felt <laughs> yeah. quite special. And then I remember, when was it? The night on the, when was it? On the 11th of August. So the night prior and the moon was getting all looking quite beautiful and full and I was in the kitchen making dinner and I started like talking and just so it sounds so funny and Quinn just laughed at me when I when I told him this I started like talking to the moon like please like bring me my baby like tomorrow like blah, blah, blah. like I really want this I remember texting like Ellie my and um, the sister-in-law being like oh, I wish I had some crystals like I just need to like <laughs> I really need to manifest this and then so yeah that all happened and then oh, what was that so that was a Thursday on the 11th of August and I'd had a beauty appointment and I remember I was talking to the lady there and I said, I have tried, I've tried so many things to do the natural induction, but I hadn't mm-hmm. tried the spicy meal. I was like, one of the podcasts I'd listened to, they said like, that was a midwife saying, please don't do the spicy meal. Like, it's not pretty for anyone. Like if you've just had a hot curry and then you go into the, mm-hmm. like no one wants to deal with that. So I was like, I'm not going to do it. But my beautician was like, oh, well, might have just been a, um, a coincidence. But she's like, I had a really spicy meal the night before and I went into labor the next morning. I was like, okay, well, I'm having, we're having like chili mints that night for dinner. So I was like, well, it's not going to be too hard. I'll just add in a bit of extra chili and like just go with that. The mm. Thursday night I had some chili and it was more like um, chili flakes with a side of chili. Like there was so... I'd put curry powder in the chili and then it was just covered in chili flakes. <laughs> and at the time I just thought, well, this is not doing anything. I'm like, this isn't hot enough, but just not it. And then again, might've been coincidence next morning, Friday morning, I woke up and my stomach was very sore, like very upset. And I had to go to the bathroom, <laughs> but yeah. pretty much straight away for after that, I started getting these like period like cramps. And that was about eight o'clock in the morning. And I went, went out for coffee with my mum at nine, nine o'clock in the morning. And I said to her, like, oh, I've been getting these like, period cramps and they already feel like I wasn't timing them, but when they'd start, I just look at the clock. And if it was like nine o'clock, I'm like, okay, 
dad looked at the clock five minutes later when they started and there's been five minutes and they just kept coming every five minutes and it was only like a light really 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 light cramp mm. and I messaged um my doula and she said like I'm be getting these light cramps like could this be anything and she's like oh it could be um just she's like just stay active um keep go for a few little walks throughout the day but then also make sure you're rested because if this is labor you want to make sure you are rested mm. so I was like okay so I went for a walk um in the morning and then I went for a walk with a lady from our antenatal class um, at around lunchtime with her. And again, it was still just happening every five minutes, but really light cramps. And I had heard in a few different podcasts about women who started getting cramps and then they just kind of went away and then it would happen again the next day. And so in the back of my mind, I just kept thinking, well, that, that could be what's happening. So don't get too excited and just, just go with it. It ended up being a very full-on day, lots of walking. I got an appointment with my acupuncturist and she did some induction um, points, which was really cool. Yeah. And then. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The cramps were getting a little bit more intense throughout the day, but just a, not intense, just more noticeable. And then I went out for dinner with Ellie that night. And I remember sitting at dinner and I hadn't told her anything and I was sitting there and I'd have to be like, kind of have to grip my teeth a little bit when they would um, come on. So by that point, they got a little bit more noticeable. And then I got home at around 8.39 and I messaged my doula and I just said, okay, they are getting a bit more full on now. Um, what do you think like I should do? And she just said, well, why don't you just start timing them and just see how far apart they are. And then she's like, and then try get some sleep. And uh, about an hour after timing them, they were still coming. They were going like anywhere between five, six or seven minutes. And I was starting to sit on my ball. Oh, yeah, I should say as well, Quinn was at a rugby game. So I remember I dropped him off at a rugby, uh, dropped him off at like the Magpies, which is the local team here. Yeah. I dropped him off at that. At, and I said to him, like, just so you know, like I've been getting cramps, like I could be going into labor. So like, don't have a big night. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, 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 that's fine. And so he came home then at maybe like 10 or 11. And by that point, I remember thinking like, I'm not going to be able to fall asleep through these. Like they, mm. I was having to like curl my toes a little bit. And I was like, they were just quite uncomfortable. And I was like, this is, I'm not yeah. sleeping through this feeling. And so he came home a little bit tipsy. And he's like, do you want me to fill up the pool? And so I'm sorry, not fill up the pool, but we'd had a pool at home that the midwives had given us. And so um, we blew that up. And that was probably the first time, like, I never felt, I didn't have any fear or any nervousness towards the idea of birth. I was more excited than anything. Like, I just didn't have mm. any fear. And as soon as he blew up the pool, I knew I just felt something in me, like my eye became quite nervous. Like I had this feeling in my chest, like, okay, this is, this is happening now. 
Yeah. And I knew probably got a little bit snappy because he was he was kind of being a bit funny and like he started getting in the pool and pretending to be like in labor and I was like, get out of it and getting all like Ugh. like don't mind me <laughs> up right now. And then um so yeah, he then went to bed just after eleven and I did lie in bed for a little bit and I really tried to sleep and about midnight I just knew I was like, you know, this isn't happening. I'd rather just be downstairs. I had set up a really beautiful space in our lounge with all the lights and candles and music and diffusers and all this stuff. And I had all these different props to help me. And I just thought, well, I'm going to go downstairs now and I'm going to use the TENS machine um, that I had and just see how we go. And uh, yeah, so that started at, that was at midnight when I got down there. And then I spent the whole night nicely wide awake. Um, didn't I did manage, I think, between maybe 2 and 3 a.m. My body just really wanted to lie down. And I lay down and would kind of doze off between contractions. And then as soon as I'd wake, like one would start, I'd turn on the TENS machine and let that go. And then that just kind of went on for about an hour. At around like 5 a.m., I remember my Adola said to me, like, well, give me an hour's notice on, like, when you need me there. She's like, it'll take me about an hour to get there. So, yeah. And I remember, like, I was really conflicted in my head because I was like, it didn't, I didn't, I was quite happy just being there by myself. I actually quite liked being there by myself. But I had no gauge on how I was kind of progressing, like, if this was going to happen really quickly or Mm. if it was going to be, really slow process so I thought well if it's going to take her an hour like I don't know I felt like I had progressed quite a bit in the hour leading up to that so I thought well who knows like where I'll be in an hour so I thought okay well um maybe do just come over so she got there at around six and I remember I told Quinn um she's like Jess is going to be here soon and so he came downstairs as well at the same time and so we were all just sitting in the lounge and I again I felt a little bit silly because I was like I probably like I could still be doing this by myself and I didn't really need anyone else there and I didn't really want to waste anyone's time and so we were just kind of all sitting in the lounge and they would um Jess was helping me through some of the contractions like doing different things with me and then I was sitting on a chair in the lounge at around 6 30 in the morning and Quinn just walked over to me and like he touched me on the shoulder and then as soon as he did that it just felt like this fountain went off underneath me <laughs> and so that was my waters breaking which was really cool and so I, guess, <laughs> I think leading up to that point I, I still had this in the back of my mind like am I in labor like is this just going to stop yeah. and then once that happened I was like okay no this is it this is happening and yeah. um yeah from there well the contractions did start to get a little bit more uncomfortable as they went by I was just kind of moving around the room a lot I had my favorite position was definitely like being I'd kneel down at the end of the couch and I had all these cushions up on the couch and I leaned over them and just kind of like breathed into that I had done a lot of um, breast work throughout the pregnancy through I'd done a lot of Pilates and a lot of yoga and then my own like meditation so my breast work was the biggest thing in my labor mm-hmm. and so that was my main focus just constantly breathing through it um and then again like I just I my midwife had said to me like like to only to message her when my waters had broken or yeah. if the pain was like unbearable 
And so I messaged her when my waters had broken and she was like, okay, well, I'll come around in about an hour or so. And she came over at 8.30 and 8.30 in the morning. And by that point, I felt pretty uncomfortable. And she said to me, do you want to have a um, vaginal check? See how like, yeah. dilated you are. And I ummed and out about it. And then I thought, well, actually, no, like I do. I, I want to know how far along I am and kind of mm. what I'm working, like what pace I'm working at. I think that's just the way my brain works. I knew I'd rather know than just be left wondering. And yeah. so I did get her to check me and she said that I was three centimeters dilated. And I was like, okay, like to me, I, I, cause I'd been in here, I'd been down in this lounge since midnight. Yeah. Since midnight. And then that was eight thirty in the morning. I was like, oh, okay. I thought I would have been a little bit further along by that point, but it is what it is. And I knew in the back of my mind, like mum, my mum had had really long labors with both my brother and I, and I kind of figured that I, I heard that can be a little bit of like a hereditary thing. Um, and so I did picture of myself that I would be having a longer labor. And so, yeah, when she came in 8.30, I was three centimeters dilated. I was like, okay, it's not as far along as I would like to be, but it is what it is. And she did tell me that, she's like, well, okay, once you get to around four to five centimeters, it tends to go pretty quick from there. So she said, all right, well, I'm going to go now. I'll leave and message me again when your contractions are like on top of one another, like no rest between them. They're just ongoing. So I was like, okay. Once she left, I remember saying to Jess, like, do you think I can get in the pool? Like, mm. I had gone a bit off the TENS machine. Like, it was great in the very beginning. And then after a while, it was like some contraction of the TENS machine I felt was helpful. And sometimes it felt like it almost added to the uncomfortableness. So took off the TENS machine and I said, do you think I could get in the pool? Uh, Rebozo? Like, yes, um, we can do that. So they started, um, started yep. filling up the pool for me, which was lovely. I think I had my mum... Quinn and the doula were all like running back and forth, filling up pots yeah. and pans and all these different things going on. We got in the pool and that was amazing. And again, I just stayed really to myself. Mm-hmm. I remember sometimes like Quinn would touch me and I would just be like, no, like, no, 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 like, I don't want that. Like, same as the TENS machine, like, if he was putting counter pressure on my back, uh, sometimes it made it just feel worse and I wasn't into it. So I'd kind of tell him, like, no, 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 it's all right. Um, I had my mum giving me like doing some giving me cloths and we had some clary sage and like lavender on these like nice cold flannels which was really nice and um, I was getting quite a bit of discomfort in my tailbone and like I remember I would have a contraction and the contraction would feel fine I would be I lay in the pool and had my I laid on my bum, bum and had my knees up and I just kept swaying yeah. back and forth like swaying my knees and side to side through a contraction and breathing and they felt fine it was really once the contraction kind of subsided I would get this surge of discomfort through my tailbone mm. and that to me was the more uncomfortable part and so we started um they started talking about maybe the baby was a little bit posterior against mm-hmm. my spine and so Jess was doing some things with like a I can't what it's called a bit of fabric and she was like shaking my hips trying to see yeah. if they could yeah that's the one was doing that to see if they could um that could help and it did help sometimes and then the pain in my tailbone was kind of come and go but yeah I just stayed really to myself time mm. flew by really fast apparently someone left the tap on when they were filling up the um, pool yeah. and it started flooding in the lounge and 
I had no clue that was happening. So they didn't find that out until after the birth. So time went really, really fast. And (laughs) I really stuck stuck to my breathing. I almost felt like as I got further along, it became quite euphoric. Um, Like between contractions, I would kind of doze off into a sleep. And it almost felt like I was having these dreams and I was having these conversations with myself. And it was actually quite peaceful. And I find it really strange to look back on like some of these things that were happening because it felt like quite a respite from the (laughs) labor. Like between the contractions, I would just doze off and I would feel Mm -hmm. completely at peace. And then suddenly another contraction would come back on. Um, But the contractions still never felt like to me, like they were getting closer together. Like they still felt like I had a little bit of time between them, but that might've been because I was dozing off. Uh, and then again I just stuck to myself wasn't really talking to anyone and then I even I started getting like pressure in my bum like they talked about that that can happen but again in my mind I just thought well like um Inga my midwife was only here like a little while ago and she said I was only three centimeters so I can't be like I didn't think I would be too far along and I still wasn't really in that much pain as such it didn't feel like what I would think of being as like fully dilated or being in transition but then so I was kind of stuck in my pool I started getting this pressure in my bum I didn't want to say anything because I didn't really think much of it and then after a few when that was happening and I actually felt like I needed to like poo (laughs) I was like I said to my doula I was like Oh, I think I need to poo and she her eyes just lit up and she was like what like what 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 and I was like oh yeah I think like I'm just getting pressure there and she was like mm-hmm. why didn't you like she's like how long has that been happening and I was like oh, I don't know a few like it's been going on a little while she was like why did you not tell anyone and I was like I didn't want to like cause concern or think like I didn't want to I thought I didn't think I would be that far along so I was like no I didn't want to tell anyone so she like said to Quinn like, okay call the midwife to tell her what's happening Quinn went and called um, my midwife and she apparently was like why did no one call me earlier like, I should, like yeah so they were all about like what and then they were like yeah Claudia didn't say anything she didn't tell us like this was happening and then by the before my midwife had even arrived I started um, my body started pushing on its own which was amazing like I'd be mm-hmm. going, been going through a contraction and kind of like swaying back and forth in the pool and then suddenly, and like how everyone talks about how when you're, if you're vomiting and like you get this reflex to go like outwards or go up and out through your mouth, it was like that same reflex, like suddenly I'll just get this surge of power going downwards and my body would just like, just this big mm. like, I don't know, convulsion kind of thing. And it was really amazing. And then um, Inga turned yeah. up. And she asked to check me, she checked me and she said, yep, you're 10 centimetres dilated and the baby's like right there. And she was like, okay, um, on your next contraction, I want you to push. And I had done, um, I, I remember I said to my doula, I was like, can you go find this playlist on my phone? Um, and can you go put this one on? I only had like 20 songs in this playlist and I thought any, any one of those songs is really special and beautiful when I thought, I'd love to give, I'd love for the baby to come out to one of these songs. And the way that the midwife was talking about it was like, this baby is going to come any minute. I remember she said, like, oh, I need to go call um, the second midwife as being 
being a home birth, you have to have two midwives there. She's like, I'm just going to go call the second midwife, but I do have a feeling she's not going to be here in time for the birth. Um, so she, my midwife asked the doula, like, can you keep, can you be the timekeeper? Can you see what time this baby comes out? So in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, this baby is coming soon. Like it's going to come out to one of these beautiful songs. <laughs> and then when we, um, when I started pushing, I was doing the whole, how everyone thought like, breathe your baby out. So I was doing all that. And I did that for a few contractions yeah. and it all felt, I, I really loved that feeling. Um, I think because there's so much tension that kind of gets built up in your body through yeah. labor and having these contractions. It was so nice to be able to kind of like release some of that energy. Yeah. And that's what I felt with those, um, with pushing. And that was all really nice. But I remember after a few contractions, she said to me, Okay, like I know you've done, so as my midwife said to me, I know you've done amazingly with your breathing or through the labor. And she's like, and I can see you're trying to do the same now with pushing, but um, I really need you to actually push. And so I was like, okay, she's like, it's just that you're not, get, well, I wasn't really getting much progress with how I was doing it. And so she did say to me, I need you to push push into your bum like that whole thing which I was a bit gutted about because I was like oh that's really what you learn like not to do but I could kind of feel it in myself that like I yeah. knew I just yeah. yeah I needed to put a little bit more effort and the energy into this and um, getting the baby up and pretty much that was about one it was about 1 p.m when um, the midwife came over and checked me and I was pushing and yeah. really, it wasn't until 6.15 that night that LED was born. So it was a long pushing phase. And after about two and a half hours of pushing, um, my contractions had slowed down to the point they'd pretty much actually stopped. Um, I think because I was just quite exhausted. So I hadn't, I hadn't slept all the night prior. I hadn't really ate yeah. even much through um labor I did have a whole bunch of snacks there but I just didn't really want any of them I had a few bits of like sugar here and there yeah and so yeah my contractions really just stopped and I remember I was yeah. I almost started faking um my contractions because I really just wanted to keep pushing I would like we'd all be lying there and then suddenly I'd be like oh another one's coming on and they'd all like grab my arms mm -hmm. and legs and whatnot and then we'd just go for it and then but nothing was actually happening and I told them they would have known they know what they're looking for but I said, I was like, oh no, my, these, this, my contractions aren't happening anymore. And we started talking about, okay, they had said to me, well, typically at this point in time, um, you would be going to a hospital. If you were in a hospital situation and you'd been pushing for this amount of time, they would be looking into um, intervening to get the baby out. And I, we thought about it, I thought about it really logically. It was quite good. By this point, I think my labor had been so beautiful and then and so zen and the pushing part was really like just a mission for me and I felt between pushing I felt really normal and so I was able to have these like logical conversations with them and just be like okay well if I go to the hospital what are they going to do and um, like and they said to me well these these are your kind of options they might be looking more into doing von tooth if you go to the hospital um and I should also just add in, they were checking LED's heart rate every couple of minutes. And the reason why I was able to stay at home was her, my, her heart rate was just perfect the entire time. Like she wasn't in any distress. And I was 
I was more than willing to just keep going. I didn't feel uncomfortable. I wasn't in a lot of pain or anything. And so, and they knew that it was quite important to me to just like, if I could really pull, um, keep going with the home birth, like it was important to me that I really just gave it everything I could. So yeah, at this two and a half hour mark, they did talk to me about what could happen and we just agreed, like, let's just keep going. And um, they had all these different positions that we could try. And I was slowly making progress. And they did believe, like, yep, no, this baby is going to come out. Like, you are, you can push this baby out. So just keep going with me. And I remember, must have been like an hour or so passed after that. And I went, so I went into the bathroom with Quinn. Like, I kept going to the bathroom a bit just because whenever I'd sit on that, to- whenever I'd sit on the toilet, my body, it would almost like bring back the contractions. I think just that sitting position was really great. And I remember saying to Quinn a few times, like, oh, I actually am getting like pretty exhausted now. And they kept saying, like, push as if you're angry and like get all these yeah. things out. And I just remember thinking, like, I'm not angry. Like, I don't have, I just, I didn't have much more energy to give. Like, they wanted more from me and I just didn't feel like mm-hmm. I had that energy anymore. Yeah. And so I yeah. kind of said, like, oh, like, if it's going to be easier, like, for everybody else and if, if it's like yeah maybe we should just go to hospital and just let's just yeah, you know, yeah. do that here like I'm still proud of where I've got to at this point um like I won't be disappointed I put my I might have been I'm not sure but I was like I'm really proud of where I've got to at this point and if I need to go to hospital to get the baby out if that's the best option then let's do it but the midwives just kept being like, no, like we actually, we do think that this is going to happen. And I think in the end, it kind of became a bit of like an ego thing for me that I just became determined. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, now we've just got to get it done. Like we've come this far, like let's mm. just do it. <laughs> and it was just a mission. And so I remember near the end of these long pushing hours, I was in the toilet with Quinn there and I got a little contraction and started pushing, and then I remember Quinn like yelled out to the midwife, being like, "Dude, like the head was coming, the head was coming." And so she came in and she checked, and she was like, "Okay, we need to get you off this toilet. Like, I don't particularly want you to give birth here because it was quite cold <laughs> in the bathroom." And she also she wanted to be able yeah. to see what was happening to prevent any tearing. And so we moved back into the lounge, and we tried another position that was kind of I was lying on the ground a little bit on my side, and we were doing that. And then the game, the progress just kind of stopped, like the, the head wasn't coming any further. And so what we decided to do in the very end was we decided to mock a little or make up a toilet. It's no um, loud. <laughs> so Quinn sat on the edge of the couch with his legs like spread apart and I sat between his legs as if I was sitting on a toilet seat. <laughs> yeah. And it was all, I've got the most, amazing photos of this so like I'm I bet you do. Yeah. yeah I'm like stark naked he's sitting behind me we've got my mum on one side Dola on the other and then the two midwives in front mm. of me and um we started doing that and was making a lot of progress I put a lot of um I'm really grateful that we had that position with Quinn because by that point like I just really didn't have much energy and he was putting in as much energy into the pushing as I was and I yeah. I don't think I could have got it I don't think I could have done it without mm. the amount of energy that he put into it also yeah. another thing that helped is they gave me a spoonful of honey and then we mixed three spoonfuls of honey with some hot water and that gave me a really good like sugar boost near the end yeah, yeah. I really like that <laughs> and then mm-hmm. after a little while we were making a lot of progress with this pushing on the couch but 
they did kind of say to me in the end, okay, well, her, her head was asymptotic presentation. So instead of her chin being tucked down to her chest, it was a little bit like that, but her head was tilted off to the right. And so instead of having to be like, instead of pushing out like a normal, the diameter of what you need to get, like the 10 centimetres, the way her head was, it was adding around an extra two centimetres on how much they needed Ooh. to push out. <laughs> and yeah. she was, yeah, and she was stuck. I, I had a ridge in my perineum that she was stuck behind. And so mm. they said to me, okay, well, we can, you can keep going a few more pushes, but I think we might need a little bit of extra help here. Um, if we are okay with getting an episiotomy. And at that point I was like, yep, just do whatever you need to do. I yeah. went through those few pushes that they gave me as like a last attempt, but didn't really make too much more progress. And so then, yeah, they gave me a little snip. And after that, she came out full head and body all in one push. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then we got our LED and she got brought up mm, on my Amazing. It was beautiful. Yeah. 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 Oh, that is beautiful. Isn't it crazy how, like, because I had a totally different birth to you, but similar experience with the episiotomy where yeah. you've been pushing for literally hours and you're like, like I ended up thinking like there's no freaking way this baby's coming out of me I've been yeah. just pushing with like all of my might and then they do this little episiotomy and then your baby just slides on out <laughs> I know I'm like oh and I've been to a pelvic floor physio since and she was kind of like you maybe could have done with that episiotomy a little bit sooner <laughs> yes like, yeah yeah <laughs> and so being at home did you have like did they give you a local injection before they did the episiotomy or how did that how did that happen yeah they gave me the local anesthesia down there and so I didn't feel them do the cut or anything like that um which was quite nice and then uh, they had explained to me because I'd been pushing for so long I, I really wanted to do the delayed cord clamping and all that and um, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what the reason was for, but I had been pushing for so long, and so they were quite scared of me. Oh, I don't know what it was. Something to do with blood. I should know this. I've just blanked. But pretty much they gave me the injection straight away to, um, yeah. for my body to expel the placenta. Just, I think they were scared of me bleeding. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, we didn't get to do the delayed cord clamping, but at the end of it, I was kind of, I've done there was so much to my birth that had all gone to plan totally. that to not get yeah. that at the end I was like that is fine <laughs> we're okay with that cool and so what happened from there did they do um did they stitch you up at home and yeah how, do you know how many stitches you ended up needing what happened there oh I'd love to know how many stitches I got but I definitely got the stitches <laughs> and I had I was still on top of Quinn and then LED was on my chest and yeah. We stayed there while they stitched me up. And I remember, I think mm-hmm. Quinn put it, like Quinn's a very fit guy, but I think he had put so much energy into those pushing at the end. Like the way that our arms were intertwined with one another and how we pushed together, he ended up pretty much like pulling a muscle in his core. So he was really <laughs> uncomfortable. Uh, uh, not that he would complain in the state yeah, that I was yeah. in, but he, he was pretty uncomfortable being squished underneath me. And then we lay there for a while while they stitched me up. Um, again, I'd love to know how much stitches I, how many stitches I had, but <laughs> yeah. no, we had the stitches. Um, and then we just lay there for a little bit and 
waited for her. She stayed on my chest for a bit and then she did start to do the little crawl over to breastfeed, which was really beautiful. And we did all that and stayed there for a little while. And then we kept her on my chest um, while I gracefully hopped off Quinn so he could have a little relax. <laughs> and then, yeah, so he, she stayed on my chest for a while and we did the first feed um, and I waited for her to kind of pop off by herself and then yeah. after that they took her away to do like some the measurements and weighed her and checked her and did all those things and then Quinn was able to have skin with the skin with her afterwards as well yeah amazing that sounds so beautiful I just yeah I absolutely love <laughs> love your birth story it sounds just like yeah like a dream it was oh it was so so lovely like I know it was a little bit long but yeah it was so beautiful and then um like afterwards we were all just able to kind of sit in the lounge and just my yeah. mum was with me which was really beautiful um I should say as well my mum had what she would describe as quite traumatic births with both my brother yeah. and I so when I first said to her I was looking into a home birth she was just like oh but like why would you do that like what if you need this and this and this yeah. and I just kind of swapped it out and said like no like your fear yeah. is not mine and whatnot then when yeah. she came down to Hawke's Bay she's not from here I did ask her in the end like well actually if you'd like to be at the birth then I'd really love you to be there she thought about yeah. it for a bit and she realized like no she needs to put her fear aside and just be there for me and I was so glad she was there so yeah after our birth she just sat with me and Quinn was there and the two midwives we were talking with them a lot and um, Jess the doula and then Quinn's mum came around Mm -hmm. and we all just sat in the lounge and it was so beautiful and like my my mum and I went upstairs and mum showered me and it was like this full full circle thing with mum that was really beautiful yeah um but yeah, it was just nice. And then we were able to talk yeah. like talk back on the birth and I'd be like, Oh, I remember this part, like da 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 <laughs> we were all, it was it was just so lovely and the midwives were really amazing and um yeah. they told me that they said my birth was very exceptional. They said like this they had had an experience to birth like that before, especially with how long it was I was pushing for and pushing without contractions, which yeah. in the back of my mind I knew at the time I was like, because 'cause I'd seen a pelvic health a pelvic floor physio prior to birth and I knew I was yeah. like oh, surely pushing without contractions is not great for your pelvic floor <laughs> so I was a little yeah. bit worried about that but no everything was really good and yeah had a lot to be proud yeah. of with the birth which was nice yeah yeah amazing very cool and what happened from there obviously being at home um you don't have to go anywhere <laughs> so no. how did the next couple of hours play out and then yeah what did um what did the next few days and weeks look like for you as a new yep. mum? so everyone kind of stuck around at home for a couple of hours and um, we all just sat there and talked and yeah it was pretty crazy the fact that you give birth to this little mm-hmm. tiny human and then it was just Quinn and I at the end of the night like left with her with her in a little yeah. post sleeper and we just couldn't believe it and but yeah so they all left and um, we had our first night together which was really beautiful and she woke up a few different times like crying and I know they do their little like gurgles with mucus that's still in their chest so that's a little bit scary at some point but mm. It was really lovely and then the midwife turned up first thing in the morning and I think I was still on quite a bit of like an adrenaline buzz and so yeah. I felt like I could still do everything and we had all obviously all this mess downstairs 
there's a pool, there's all these towels everywhere, like there was a lot going on in the lounge. And so I kind of started like cleaning all that up and Quinn was amazing and cleaned up a lot of it and parents turned up and they helped clean. And it definitely, in hindsight, I probably could have rested a lot more in those mm. first few days, but yeah, you're just running on such adrenaline that it, it does feel possible to kind of keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the first few days were really nice. We had, it was, a, yeah, it was, I mean, I didn't know any different not being in the hospital, but it was beautiful having um, our midwife come over each day and she was really helpful. But I kept thinking, I was like, wow, it must be really nice to be at a hospital and have like support there, especially like through mm. the night with feeding and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So that was okay. And then it was actually two days later. So yeah, when Elodie was about 48 hours old, we did end up in Skaboo with her. And that was just, her second day, she wasn't, her first day she was wide awake and she was feeding a lot. And then the second day she just wanted to sleep the entire day. And we didn't really think much yeah. of it. We just thought she's a newborn and she's just been mm. quite awake the day prior. So she's probably just really tired. Yeah but it did make it really hard to feed her and she wasn't waking up to be fed. So we had to, because I had expressed colostrum beforehand, um, the midwife said to just, just to get something in her. So we were um, yeah. giving her colostrum through a syringe, but she just wasn't keeping any of it down. And then the other day and just wasn't waking up and then started doing um, some funny little poos. And again, we didn't think, I didn't think too much of it. We were kind of, it was like a Monday night, I think. It was all through the Monday where it was all, we had this funny day of feeding and whatnot. Yeah. And then that night, just before we went to bed, I was like, oh, I'm just going to text um, my midwife and just explain to her what, how the day's been going. And um, even though we were seeing her the very next morning, but I was like, I'm just going to let her know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not asking her yeah. anything, but I'll just let her know. So I sent her this text and she called me about 20 minutes later and she said, has um, she's like, oh, I'm just going to call the hospital and see if they do want you to come in. She's like, just be prepared that they might want to see you. Just as she has been, she's not keeping anything down. Like they just they mm. want to be careful with babies. So I was like, oh, okay. So she called the hospital and they the pediatrics and they said yes, do come in. So we ended up in the um, at hospital at around just before midnight. And as soon as we got in there, they did all these um, tests on her and they decided they wanted to put her in Skaboo. I think it was more so they, there wasn't any room in the pediatric ward. And just with how hospitals are at the moment and really crazy busy, they really wanted to get her out of um, the emergency department. Yeah. During COVID and we've got this 48 hour old baby, yeah. they just needed to get her out of there. So they found a room in Skaboo, which was quite unlikely for that to happen. But we ended up there and it was quite fortunate that we did um, when we first turned up to hospital, she wasn't, all her bloods were quite normal. Her oxygen levels were quite normal, but she really, really quickly deteriorated through the night. And so it was quite, they had her in a little, they first had kept her just in a little bed and skaboo and then they ended up putting her in one of the incubators. And we were there for two nights and it just, um, they suspected that she had an infection. Her blood suggested there mm. was an infection. They never figured out, well, they never really concluded what the infection was, but um, yeah, like how parent ba babies can go down quite quickly, but they do bounce yeah. back very, very fast. So once we were able to start actually breastfeeding her, which was about 24 hours in, she just bounced back really well. And um, 
we were able to be discharged on my birthday, which was nice. So we spent first part. I had my hospital what was it hospital breakfast with my birthday breakfast, <laughs> and yeah. then uh, yeah, we got discharged that night. And then uh, yeah, ever since then, she's been good. So we just had that little time in Cebu, which the nurses were amazing. I almost not that I enjoyed that experience. It was really upsetting, and that was also the time when my milk was coming in. So I was just sitting there in the ward like sobbing that first night <laughs> but yeah yeah um it was we did learn a lot being in Skiboos like just being around other nurses who were lovely and yeah. all had different ways of doing things but we yeah we definitely took some things away from it which was nice yeah 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 it can be really tough having a baby in special care or like you know just anything unexpected I think in those um those first few days and weeks with a newborn can be really, really yeah challenging for sure yeah, they were trying to, they tried to force feed um, some like formula milk into her and she yeah. just wasn't, uh, that was probably the worst experience that we had had. Mm. Like that was not pleasant at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had both of us yeah. in tears. And so they actually stopped, mm. they started doing that and then they quickly stopped when they realized it wasn't going very well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a very upsetting time, but then it all, Mm. bouncing back it was and how did you go um when you went back home and I know she's eight weeks old now so how have you found yeah the adjustment to motherhood and how's your breastfeeding journey going and yeah what does that all look like it was really lovely when we came home um we kind of we'd had a lot of visitors in those first 48 hours um when before we ended up in hospital and after that, we yeah. kind of just slowed it down a little bit and just said, like, no, we just need to relax. I was probably still running on a bit of adrenaline, so I just needed to try, chill out a lot more. I set myself, like, oh, I just gave, I had to give myself permission to just do nothing and just mm. be in bed with her, and that was really beautiful. Um, and then since then, she's been a really, I, I think she's been quite an easy baby for the most part. I just say that, like, I been able to sleep quite well like she does still her night times are still really good she wakes like two to three times a night but yeah. um I get some nice like three hour stretches between then and her first sleep <laughs> tends to be pretty good like she might sleep four or five hours in the night at first so yeah. no she I do feel quite rested and then any days where I um any nights where it's been quite a tough night I just kind of, again, give myself permission to just do nothing the next day yeah. and relax. Um, our feeding journey yeah. has been, yeah, a journey. I think about a week in, my milk just really, like, well, yeah, a week in, my milk suddenly kind of dried up a little bit. Yeah. And we weren't really sure what was happening. And it was, we got a lactation consultant and it was, Elodie wasn't latching very well. And so she wasn't stimulating the milk. And then my body yeah. just kind of stopped producing it. So we had to then go on a little bit of a mission to pump like pump and build it all back up and it did. So I have struggled a little bit with supply in the last um, couple months where it has dropped down a lot and then we kind of have to build it back up and I don't know if that's because of my breast implant or mm. it's just the way it is, but we're just going with it and taking each feed as it comes. Um, what else? It's, it's, motherhood has been amazing I I was saying yeah. to my mum the other day I'm like when they come out you love them because they're your baby and you've made this and it's so beautiful but my gosh as you 
get to know them more as the weeks go by and they start showing a little bit more personality like you just you really do love them like it's a different kind of love as you get to um, know yeah. them a little bit more and so which we are at at the moment I just think she's amazing um yeah. and it's made me have a whole lot more respect for my own mother which has um been really lovely and yeah. I think I say, like, I'm like, motherhood to me, it feels like it's easy and hard at the same time. Like, some of it is just so natural. So that's, yeah. like, the easy part. But then it's hard because it is such an adjustment. Like, your life really does change a lot. Yeah. yeah. We're just rolling with it. Some days are a little bit harder. Right now, we, she's had her immunizations just the other week and yeah. it's kind of thrown her off a little bit. So we're dealing yeah. with that. I just have to keep telling myself like this has got this will pass and it's not going to be yeah. like this forever. Like she might through, be only through this phase for a week and then we might be onto something yeah. else. But you just really got to <laughs> roll with it. Yeah, yeah, yes, for sure. I feel like um, I'm almost three years in and I still feel <laughs> that exact same way. Just, just rolling yeah. with it. You just got to wing yeah. it, eh? <laughs> totally, exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah awesome well thank you so much Claude for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with me I've really loved talking to you and I know that there'll be so many different parts of your story that listeners sort of take away and either relate to or learn something from so yeah just super grateful that you were willing to join me so thank you no thank you so much and yeah I really am grateful to have this platform to talk about it I was a little bit scared to talk about like the pushing parts just because I know in um in in the medical side of things like you wouldn't usually be pushing for that long and some people might disagree with the fact that we we stayed at home that whole time but yeah just kind of want people to know that like birth is safe and there's nothing to be like fearful of and knowledge is power and if you can Yeah. yeah just it's such an empowering thing and it's just nothing to be afraid of really thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of kiwi birth tales i hope you have enjoyed it and another reminder that this week's episode was brought to you by your birth project it's everything you need to create your best birth regardless of what kind of birth you want to have it is inclusive of all births so go and check out your birth project at your birth project on instagram or www.yourbirthproject.com look forward to bringing you another awesome episode next week Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.